DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Join the big show Friday from 2 to 7 at the Warehouse, 1825 South, 300 West in Salt Lake City. Price is so low, it'll blow your mind. Boom! Boom! My bad. Thank you. <laughs> Time to bring in our college football insider, Riley Jensen. Riley, good morning. Good morning, fellas. How's it going? Good. We have many things good. to discuss with you. Utes, Cougars, and Aggies. But the headline of the morning, obviously, is BYU coming in at 14. I got to say, I was stunned that they got, and I've said this multiple times, that they've gotten so much run out of such a weak schedule and got all the way to number eight. But with the media and the coaches voting them there week after week, or at least the football operations guy for the coach, uh, I was getting pretty comfortable with that. I thought, well, they'll probably be a little lower. There's no way I expect them to come in at eight. 10, maybe 12. I'm thinking, man, 15 would be worst case scenario. And then having said that, I was still surprised when they popped up at 14. Yeah, I think I think it's totally surprising that they're at 14. I Look, there's nothing that they can do about their schedule. There's nothing that they can do to improve it. In fact, I think they had done such a great job of putting together this schedule so that they could have you know, an opportunity to play against some good teams this year. It's really unfortunate, and it probably – if you're a BYU fan, it hurts just a little bit more because you knew you had a great schedule put together. And now BYU's playing really well. It's going to be harder and harder to even get anyone to schedule in these last few weeks. I know people are disappointed about Cincinnati, but all along I haven't seen any reason that Cincinnati would want to play BYU. There's, there wasn't a lot to win there. And so it, it's a tough situation. I, I personally like the way Kalani handled it. I think he was assertive. I think he was a little perturbed, and I think he stuck up for his team. And I think that's basically all you can do in this situation because you can't control. You have no control over you know this this whole process. All you can control is the games that you're playing and winning the games as convincingly as you can. And I, I my heart goes out to him because I I thought 14 was way too low. I I. Certainly, I'm like you. I didn't think they'd be at eight, but certainly they. I thought they'd be in that top twelve with an opportunity to play for a New Year's Six Bowl. So you think that's out? Well, it, it feels like you're on the outside looking in, and the way that they're looking at BYU's schedule, you're now you're 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 kind of an afterthought. There's a few things that would have to happen in front of you that would be fairly significant for you to get up there but I mean it's still a possibility but I just thought man what a what a weird place to be it's interesting too because guys when I when I was 10 years old I remember specifically watching ABC and Jim Lampley and they put a big huge thing up on the board should BYU be the national champions and really ever since then I've had a, a, a real basic awareness that BYU has to do everything perfect and the stars have to align for them to get the just credit that they want. And it, it's not necessarily, you know, I, I think BYU fans sometimes do have a little bit of a chip on their shoulder and they are a little bit negative about the situation. I don't think everybody is, but I think some are. But when when something like this comes up, it just – it just fuels that fire a little bit, and it, it it makes me scratch my head a little bit. 
Riley Jensen, our college football insider, joining us. Uh, One thing people were saying uh, that didn't make any sense to anyone locally who'd already followed it more closely and figured it out was BYU ought to play Washington. Well, we were all pretty sure Washington's going to play Utah, and now Washington's going to play Utah. Uh, For the Utes, who lost to USC in the opener, uh, where are their potential advantages in this game? What are you watching for the most improvement? Well, hopefully they improve offensively. I thought, I thought defensively, they played pretty good. I mean, you know, Kyle will be the first to say it. Most coaches will be the first to say it. You, you turn the ball over four times, you're not gonna, you're not gonna win very many football games, especially in the Pac-12. So, Utah's got to take care of the football. Traditionally, that is that is something that Kyle has taken a lot of pride in. It's something that Andy Ludwig has taken a lot of pride in. But I'll give them a little bit of a pass because with Cam Rising going out, you know, I think it was like 16 plays into the game, and then you've got Bentley in the game. Although Bentley was competing at a high level to be the starter for the youths, my guess is that most of the reps over the two weeks that they were waiting to play their first game were going to Cam Rising to give him an opportunity to, um, you know, to, to be the starter and to play meaningful reps. I certainly see. I, I certainly see in this game that you'll see uh, Bentley really improve his game. And then I thought there were some nice. I thought there were some nice parts of the game. I like the way Utah ran the ball. Um, if they can eliminate some of those turnovers, I think they're going to be in every Pac-12 game. Not as dominating as what they've been in the past, but I think we all knew that. I think, I think we knew that it. You know that they had lost a lot of professional players that it was going to be difficult to just come out and, and, you know, hit the ground running. So what you see of Bentley that you think that uh, maybe he can win some ball games for you? Well, I thought he ran the ball better than I thought he could. Um, I, I had anticipated that he could pass the ball. I think that he could sharpen up a little bit in the passing game. But I think what was a pleasant surprise to me is he's the type of quarterback, when I'm watching him, that if he runs within the context of the pass play, meaning he goes through his first read, his second read, maybe his third read, and then turns and runs the ball, he can be fairly dangerous against Pac-12 defenses. And that was a little bit surprising to me when I watched him because I was expecting nothing from the run game. The way that everybody had talked to me about it, the way everybody had, had stated that, you know, Cam Rising is this dual threat guy and, uh, Bentley is just a you know a traditional passer. So to me, I'm excited to see where he can go. Um, I'd like to see them use some of these quick and speedy running backs a little bit in their passing game because I think those guys, when they're in space, I think they can cause some real problems. Now, I don't know how well they catch the ball because we didn't see much of that, but when they're in space and when those guys were able to get to the second level, uh, those running backs were fun to watch. I think the fan favorite is usually the little guy. And the little guy in this case is Ty Jordan. And at 200 pounds, I'm not sure there's a lot of people who want to tackle that little guy. But he is 5'7". So I think that's why. But it looks like when he gets hit, he finishes everything going straight at the goal line. He doesn't finish sideways. He doesn't go down where he's hit. There's always two extra yards. I think he runs violently by nature. And we know Kyle loves that because we've heard him use that expression dozens of times. Yeah. I think... uh, the fun thing about him when I was watching is, is you're right, is he falls forward, right? 
there's there's never that play where he's falling back on his back, where he's getting blown up, where he's not able to like. And you know, at at five seven two hundred, you've got to be the type of guy that doesn't take hits straight on. You've got to be able to be the guy that can make sure that those hits are deflected and that you're not that you're not taking the full blow if you want to last the whole season. And I think he's that type of runner. I think that's the reason why he's playing at the University of Utah at five seven. There's not a lot of guys that get, get recruited that you know that are in that height range um, if they if they don't run the way he does and. He's an exciting runner, and you know the staple of a Kyle Whittingham team is to be able to run the football and to be able to take care of the football. And so, I would expect a steady dose of him. Uh, I thought I thought Washington was an interesting matchup. It's interesting. There's two wide receivers starting for Washington that are from the state of Utah. You got Ty Jones from uh, Provo High School, and then you got Puka Nakua from Orem High School. We're right here in BYU's backyard, right here in Utah's backyard, and they weren't able to land them. And both of them were playing at a pretty high level uh, last week when I was watching that game. So it's going to be interesting to see if those guys are motivated because they know that there's going to be eyeballs on the screen um, of all their friends back home, you know, and, and whether it's at Utah or whether it's at, at Washington, doesn't really matter right now because people have to watch it on TV. And so it's interesting to see if those guys – are excited and motivated to play against the University of Utah, and if the Washington coaches put some some extra wrinkles in the game to maybe highlight their skills and their talents. I mean, Puka Nakua took one, I think it was like 80 yards? or 65. 65. Arizona's yeah. defense looked lost on that play. I mean, he made a nice catch, spin around to catch the ball, but there's nobody within 10 yards of him. What are they right. doing? It was a shallow crossing route. It was nothing tricky. There's no I pick. Totally, I totally agree, but the interesting stat when I was watching that play was that's the longest pass play for Washington since 2017, and it's by a true freshman from Orem, right? So this is a guy who has big play capability. I mean, we saw him play week after week after week here in the state of Utah. He's really good. And Ty Jones, I mean, we forget because he's been up there for three years. Last year he was injured. But that guy can make catches like nobody I've ever seen. I, I, I faced him twice as a coach at Alta. And it was like, if that ball went up in the air, it's almost, it's, it's almost automatic that it's coming down to Ty Jones. So I'm excited to watch those guys play just because of the local tie. And then I'm excited to watch the University of Utah and see what kind of improvement they can make with, with you know, the, the traditional cliche of from game one to game two. Yeah, I think Naku is actually a sophomore. Uh, but uh, he committed to SC, and then they uh, had some issues, so he decommitted, and he goes to Washington. How come he didn't give uh, Utah a serious look? I mean, his brother's on there, BYU for that matter, but then he go, he commits to SC and ends up going to Washington. Well, I think I think his other brother played for BYU. Uh, I think his other brother was a safety for BYU. Yeah, so you yeah. got you got a brother that plays yeah, at yeah. Utah. You got a brother that played at BYU. I mean, I'm sure that it's not a condemnation at all on whether BYU and Utah are offering them or trying to recruit them. I personally feel like Puka is he had he had big stars in his eyes. Like he wanted to go to the biggest stage possible and and be able to play at a high level and and make a mark. Now, I hope that doesn't hurt University of Utah's fans feelings right now when I say that but when he's 
he's talking about USC and Washington and probably Oregon as possibilities, he's thinking I can win the Pac-12 championship, and if and if we go undefeated on one of those teams, I'll have a chance to play in the college playoff. And it's not that Utah can't do that, but it's and, and Utah was really close last year. It just feels like that that was the feeling that he had when he was being recruited. Like, I want to be on the national stage. I want to be seen for what I can do. So your Aggies have the Lobos. Both teams are 0-4. This is clearly the best chance to get a win. It's bad seasons for both teams. That's obvious, and the Aggies have had the coaching change. But at least one win. At least don't have a zero in the win column. Put yourself in the shoes of the players on those teams. Thanksgiving night, nobody in the stands, but a chance to get one win. That's got to matter a lot, doesn't it? Well, I think it does, and I think, you know, if, if – if you're looking at it from a psychological standpoint, I mean, it's, you, you play to win. You, you, you go, you prepare all this time, you put all this work into your body, you put all this work into your dreams. You don't go out there to lose. You don't go out there to play with lackluster effort. And so I think these guys are going to be ready to play. The one thing that I can tell you about Utah state in the, in the recent games, they haven't won, but they've played harder. And I've been, I've been proud of the effort. I've been excited to see the reaction from some of these players. I think some of them are playing for Frank Miley, and I think Frank Miley's making his case for a job. So, of course, he wants to get a win. Of course, he wants to play at a high level. Of course, he wants to be able to do the things that that head coaches do to turn the momentum. And I really feel like Frank's already changed the momentum in a lot of ways. But um, it just hasn't showed up as far as the outcome goes. But his effort, his enthusiasm, I think his professionalism, when you watch the players react to him, I think I think they play with much more effort than what they have in the past. Yeah, it's amazing that we're at this spot since a couple years back they won 11 games. But as I look at this hire, whoever they decide to go with, it couldn't be more important because this program, they've had a bunch of guys who have entered the transfer portal and they haven't won a game and all this stuff, and so if they don't make the right hire, man, they could be in trouble. Well, I think it's I think it's always important to make a good hire. I think I think the good news about Utah State when you're talking about Utah State football is the facilities are, I mean, they're just night and day to when I played in 1998, and I and I can't remember when uh, I, the indoor facility was finished while I was playing up there, so I got to practice in the indoor facility, but. When you look at that north end zone complex, when you look at the when you look at the um, the press box, when you look at the field, I mean, for heaven's sakes, during the independent years, Utah State had the wrong color end zones. They had Florida blue in their end zones. It's just so much better than what it was in the independent era. I think being in the Mountain West Conference gives you some cachet and some ability. And I think coaches, when they come in and they see the facilities, they're pleasantly surprised. I've been to other places. I coached at North Carolina State. I've seen their facilities. I've seen what they're trying to do. BYU, Utah, and Utah State have as good of facilities. And now I'm not talking about, like, size of stadiums or anything like that, but as far as, like, the weight room at Utah State, the indoor facility, the press box, the ability for a player to get better, it's as good as anywhere in the country. And so these coaches, they'll have an opportunity to turn it around. Now, the other thing, and I was talking to DJ the other night on the phone and I think this is a really good point. So I'm going to give you credit for it, DJ, but 
I mean, Utah State was three and nine two years before they were eleven and two, right? So it's not like it's not like you don't have the opportunity to turn things around quickly. But I think the same thing happens when you're in the Mountain West Conference that if you get thin or if some things go a little bit sideways, it also can drop really fast. And so, yes, the, the hire is very important. But it's not like Utah State. We're, we're not going back to the independent days. We're not going back to these, you know, when, when I played in a bowl game in 97, that was the only bowl game of the 90s, right? We're not going back there. We're, 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 we're a team that has played really, really good. We're a program that's played really good over the last 10 years with a couple of blips on the radar, and I really feel like this is going to be a blip. So if you're a Utah State fan and you're, and you're super worried, I understand your concern, but I think that, that getting the right guy in place and, and just making a case here, you can turn it around fairly quickly at Utah State now. I think that's true at a lot of schools uh, in the league. Uh, Wyoming was in a conference title game, I think, 2016. I think they were a two-win team. And the next year they were in the conference title game. Fresno went one win to ten wins to twelve wins, back down to four wins. I think that right. uh, you know the margin for error is small. These teams don't have a lot of depth. When everything goes right, it goes really right. When it goes wrong, it goes really wrong. So, yeah, and, I, and the Aggies have ridden the elevator up and down. You know, so they'll probably do it again. Yeah, and I mean, even even Kalani Sataki last night when he's addressing the media he's talking about how they've built depth up so that so that they didn't have excuses to blame covid or any of the other things that are going on and that's the thing that teams are constantly when you're part of the g5 conferences and and byu is you know kind of in between p5 and g5 you're constantly working on your depth you're constantly praying much harder than you pray at alabama or clemson about not having injuries and being able to make it through a season fairly injury free, and that you know your your strength and conditioning coaches, your all the auxiliary coaches that you hire become very important, especially in a G five conference like Mountain West Conference, in my opinion. Riley, as always, we appreciate it. Thanks for joining us. You're the man. Thanks, guys. You guys, your show's awesome. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it.